0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. ETW approved. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.
1: Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, the Islanders are tied with the Bruins after uh, the first two games of their playoff series. And it didn't look like it would get to that point <laughs> after uh, maybe the first game and uh, plus one period. But right now, the Islanders are pretty much where uh, I think a lot of us kind of hoped and expected they would be.
2: Yeah, it's uh, really rare to have a night like the Islanders fan, Islander country had on Monday night um, where you had not only like, yes, like we should be spending as much time as we can talking about the Islanders. This is a Islanders podcast, but just like the two games, obviously the Leafs and Canadians game seven and the Islander game going on, um, basically simultaneously. And both results were massive, obviously. And the, the day had potential to be an absolute nightmare or a great, one of the greatest, you know, sporting <laughs> days of our lives. And for it to go the other way, um, um, to go the good way was something that you know once again don't will not ever forget that one and just i mean it's the amount the emotional roller coaster in one nhl playoff game is a lot but to like be so focused on what was going on with the islander bruin game and then also having like a wandering eye on what was happening in toronto uh, it was like it was so strange cuz it was you were just being up and down and and when the the leafs game ended and the islander game kind of went started to go south i started to blame myself and wondering like hey <laughs> was this my fault for is this like karma <laughs> for like rooting so hard against the lease? whatever um and obviously it they pulled it out and it was one of one, of, one of, another one of those moments in overtime where i started to kind of come to peace with hey you're gonna have to like be able to come you know be able to accept that they blew a 3-1 lead and 10 minutes left in the third period and lost to the bruins and put themselves in an 0-2 hole and starting to trying to figure out what that would feel like. And then all of a sudden, Jeremy Lazan hits one off of, who is it, like Charlie Coyle skate or something, and springs Casey the maybe the best pass of the playoffs for the Islanders. <laughs> was, and, um, yeah, the rest is history.
1: Yeah, it was a good night for the Islanders, for us personally. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Leafs later because it would be uh, really remiss of us to not discuss the Leafs, but let's, let's focus on the Islanders first. Uh, and let's focus, let's rewind the clock before Casey Zizekas beat, uh, Tuka Rask to game one, which was a very different story. Uh, the Bruins had a week to rest. The Islanders had about a day or two and the Islanders walked into a mostly packed TD garden and quite frankly, did not play well. (laughs) They lost five to five to two, um, It looked okay for a while. Uh, The Islanders, you know, again, they didn't play well in the first couple of periods, but they managed to get it tied after two. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier actually opened the scoring on a power play goal. David Pasternak, the first of three goals uh, he would have, would eventually tie it. Pasternak would score again, uh, and then Adam Pellick would tie it just before the end of the second. And at that point, I thought, okay, we've seen this now in the Penguin series too like they didn't play well they're being outshot by a lot we're going to talk about that in a little bit too uh how the uh, td garden off ice officials counted the shots for the home and road teams but uh i thought okay i I, was, I felt pretty good going into the second period but that's when the wheels came off charlie mcavoy scored from the top of the circles uh or from the high slot uh through traffic past completed the hat trick the islanders really didn't have much of an answer in that third period uh Ilya sorokin was pulled Matt Barzell took a penalty. Taylor Hall hit an open net, and, and that was it. Um, you know, Sorokin played pretty well. He gave up a lot of juicy rebounds. And I thought that was really weird considering I don't remember a single rebound he gave up in the previous five games he had played against uh the Penguins, or the four games he had played against the Penguins. Um, and it just it just wasn't enough. Like the Islanders just didn't have enough of anything, really, uh, in the in that game against the Bruins. And, you know, it, it was Again, I felt pretty confident. I was thinking to myself, "All right, well, this is a change of pace. Like going into the third period, I feel confident." But then the Bruins just exerted their authority, and and that was the end of that. Um, What did you make of that game? And uh, like, what were your feelings? It was also a bit of a roller coaster, but uh, the end result was was not a pleasant one for the Islanders. uh, You know, at at that moment,
2: yeah, it seemed kind of predetermined how that game was going to end. um, A little bit just from the way that the Islanders looked, just. I wouldn't want to say, like, they were dominated. They, I mean, they kind of were. But, like, it wasn't – they just were being beaten at their own game. And I think a lot of it – like, the Bruins looked um, – the attention to detail was incredible. I thought the uh, – Bruce Cassidy is is a really – he's a really good coach, obviously. And uh, the, the way that they were shooting at Sorokin was interesting, right? Like, they were right.
1: – they seem to be aiming for the pads.
2: Right. And it seemed like they they had somebody um, in the, you know, the, the kind of danger area waiting for those rebounds. And I think a lot of that is not, you know, you, we put that on the goalie a lot, like rebound control, but a lot of that comes down to the defenseman and the Islanders got beat to the puck a couple of times. Like, as and I th- so I think it was like Pelic on one goal, maybe Mayfield on another, um, you know, you just got to react quicker. And David Pasternak of course is, has like an otherworldly talent of, uh, you know, releasing a puck really quickly and putting it exactly where he wants to, and he's he's kind of just a monster in that way. Uh it just seemed like the the Bruins kind of had figured the Islanders out in that game, right? And and it's hard because it was the only game of the series, the Bruins looked so good. The Islanders seemingly didn't have any answers. Uh it was very worrying. I woke up the next morning, um, uh, you know, in like kind of like a fog and trying to figure out why I felt so anxious and i remember oh it's because you know we're, we're about to get swept that's why the season's over it's like 2019 <laughs> all over again um and then i started to feel a little bit more confident as game two started to come closer and i i think as um is like a hockey society we try so hard not to read into uh cliches and stuff and the narratives that are being developed throughout a series but it depends on who's saying them and uh the thing that actually calmed me down the most was Bruce Cassidy in, in the, in the, in between games was just like, I think the Islanders are going to be better. Like they're, they're here for a reason. They're going to be tighter in front of their own net. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what they did wrong. Like they were not that good in front of Sorokin and lo and behold, they were. And I thought, you know, they I think the guys behind the bench obviously have a ton of respect for each other and and for how they their opponents play. And I think we're starting to see, I think the Islanders had maybe a little bit too much respect for the Bruins in game one. And then, Started to earn a little bit of respect in Game Two because from basically the third, basically since Charlie Coyle scored that opening goal, from that point on, the Islanders were the better team, save for a six-minute, very important six-minute stretch in the third.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, that was the thing, and you know, I'm I'm not gonna lie. Like after Game One, I was like, "This is they're never gonna, they can't do anything against this team. That's that's ludicrous. They're they're not as fast. They're not as strong. They're not as well." Uh, I don't want to say, well, coach, but like, you know, they, they weren't as crisp. Like you said, this is going to be bad, but you know, I did, I agreed with you that they were going to be better. I just didn't know if it was going to be enough. And and at the beginning of the game of game two, uh, they started out pretty well. They got the, the first bunch of shots on goal. And then the first chance the Bruins get it's Charlie Coyle and he, he basically walks Nick Letty. Well, he, he picks off a Matt Martin turnover. He walks Nick Letty and he makes this beautiful sort of cross crease goal. Uh, And Simeon Varlamov, who had, you know, come in and started the game in place of Sorokin. And, you know, it it was on one hand, it was like, oh, great. Another immediate goal right off the bat. This happened against the Penguins, too. But at the same time, that was not like a gimme goal. Like that was a pretty highlight real goal. (laughs) that Charlie Coyle scored. And, you know, yes, Nick Letty got walked. uh, He got turned around. It was pretty embarrassing. I kind of put it a little bit more on Matt Martin for the turnover there. Um, But like that was a that was a legit goal. And I, you know, as bad as it was that the Islanders started out kind of behind the eight ball like that, you're right. Like by the middle of the period, the Islanders had kind of started to take control back and and they had a pretty good stretch, uh, in the first, you know, towards the end of the period. And you could tell that they were better. Like you said, like Bruce Cassidy said, like I'm sure Barry Trotz thought they were better. It wasn't, you know, the Bruins might've still had maybe a little bit of an edge because of how they played earlier, but it was definitely closer than game one. Then the second period starts, and I don't know what happened. I don't know what Barry Trotz told them. I don't know what adjustments were made. I don't know if any adjustments were really made. Something happened, and the Islanders took complete control of that game in the second period. They scored three goals. They tied the game on a Josh Bailey power play goal that was off Jeremy Lozon. You know, bear with me because this is going <laughs> to repeat myself a couple of times. Kind of bounce off of him, but hey, you take it. It's a tie game. Um, they earned that goal. They earned that chance. Uh, a couple of minutes later, Kyle Palmieri scores uh, through traffic, kind of on the doorstep. I think Lozon may have also pushed that puck into underneath Tukarask by accident. Now, he was standing there, and uh, he it might have gone enough of him. Maybe Palmieri just kind of banked it enough for Ask himself, but that gave the Islanders a two-one lead. And uh, a couple of minutes after that, another power play goal. JG Paggio with a beautiful. He was standing in front. Pass from Barzell to Beauvillier. Beauvilliers turnaround pass to Be- to Peugeot right in front. It was a gorgeous connection, and not only did the Islanders have a three one lead, but they had taken all of the excitement out of that building. They had taken all the air out of the Bruins. They had wrested control of that game, and it did not look like the Bruins all of a sudden looked like the Islanders had looked in the first period. They were anemic. They couldn't keep up. Uh, I don't know what was going on. Their passes all of a sudden weren't connecting. They just couldn't. You know, the Islanders were keeping them pinned in their own zone. The Palmieri. Uh, Pajot, Zajac line was fantastic. And even Matt Barzell, his line with Jordan Everly and Leo Komarov, which had been, you know, fairly ineffective for the most part throughout the entire playoffs and especially in game one, looked really good. I think I think Barzell and Everly may have just were like, you know what, Leo, you just do you. And where the two of us are going to play together, and if you're there, great. And so Leo had a couple of chances too. Of course, he couldn't bury them because he's Leo Komarov, but like he was kind of in the area. And I thought Barzell and Everly had had both really good games, although they didn't end up scoring any goals. And I thought, oh, this is great. And that that peri- that sort of pattern continued throughout the half of the third period. And then all of a sudden, the Bruins come back to life. Uh, they spend a ton of time in their own zone, in the Islanders' own zone. Uh, it's the first line, the perfection line. And who cashes in but Patrice Bergeron from the high slot? Okay, now it's 3-2. Then something happens that almost never happens anymore. The Islanders take a too many men on the ice penalty. Josh Bailey is coming off the ice, coming on the ice, and he plays the puck. He admitted it. He, uh, Islanders go on, on the penalty kill, and immediately, almost immediately, Brad Marchand ties the game. So now it's bad. And Barry Trotz did something he almost never does, which is he called a timeout call it team down. It was pretty even from there on out. The Bruins really didn't have a ton of chances, but frankly, neither did the Islanders. They go to overtime. Um, and it's like you said, another play the, the Islanders come out. They, they're all over the place on the Bruins. The Bruins have their turn. The Islanders get the puck back. The Bruins take their turn. It was just kind of like a waves of zone time until finally Lausanne goes for a, like a sort of cross blue line pass bounces off the foot of Charlie Coyle right to Casey Zizekas. He busts in and lays a perfect wrist shot. No dekes, no nothing. Pass to Garask. Zizekas' first playoff goal since 2015, which is absurd considering the amount of playoff games the Islanders have played since then. And boom, the series is tied. And the Islanders earned that win. They played great. Yeah, okay, like you said, you know, there was a five or six-minute stretch in the third period where they coughed it up. But, you know, Barry Trotz said at the end, like, you know, you kind of expect that. And like, that might end up being a good thing because it allowed them to not sit back. Not they, it allowed the Islanders to understand you can't sit back against a team. You can't just like let them have some extended zone time because they're going to cash in every time. And so you, you have to play on your toes for 60 minutes period. I don't know if that's just coach speak, but in any event, the Islanders did play well. They felt they had been the better team for most of the game. And again, they walk out with a split, which is like we talked about in the penguin series basically what you want when you start a playoff series on the road. And now it's a best of five and three of those games are at Nassau Coliseum, which I'm sure is going to be a madhouse on Thursday and Saturday when the Islanders play there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what w- I mean, w- w- what'd you think of that whole thing? I mean, I, I went completely bonkers for Suzekis cause I wasn't sure he was going to score there and I'm glad he did.
2: <laughs> yeah, there was a, uh, you know, we, we spoke about it. It's either, um, you know agony or relief i was extremely relieved i guess uh very relieving goal he um i thought you know just the whole game like they deserve to win that game like nobody the the bruins and and that's also like just shows you how good the bruins are i thought that made maybe it was the islanders best game i think you can maybe make a case for game four or you know maybe game six against the penguins um but if that's the best game of the playoffs for the Islanders and the Bruins were, you know, they stuck with it, but I mean, the Bruins didn't play poorly at all. Like they were, they were good too. But what, what ended up happening was the Islanders were able to uh, not let the, the middle six or the the bottom nine uh, forwards beat them like they did in uh, game one. And that meant that it was coming down to Pasternak and uh, the perfection line and with Bergeron, Bergeron and Marchand. And those guys still got theirs. Like, mm. you know, they, you can't really keep them off a. Of, a score yeah. sheet entirely for a game or a series. Um, but the rest of the rest of the lines uh, weren't great. It seemed like, you know, Taylor Hall had a couple of rushes, but he was mainly on his own doing. Uh, and you got to tip your cap to Simeon Varlamov, who maybe wasn't uh, perfect, but he made some really big saves, including robbing Hall in overtime. And, you know, you, you if you think about that game from the Charlie Coyle game fo- goal forward, uh, there were a couple like moments that I think like snap people into the to, into action, which was uh it was a poor start from Nick Letty, but then he uh inadvertently elbowed somebody in the face and from that <laughs> point on it seemed like he had you know whether it was because the Bruins were chasing him I thought maybe he had a target on his back he he started to play a little bit better um and, and then I thought yeah like you said the 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 three best players on the ice or the two best players on the ice were. Barzell and Eberly, I think that goes for both teams maybe you know you can maybe make a case for Bergeron but uh for at least for the Islanders and the fact that they didn't score um is it's a it's frustrating but it does show you maybe they're growing into the series too and when they do score things will start coming easier um I, I really started to notice that the Islanders started playing well because they won over Against all odds, Joe Micheletti started to, <laughs> to say that the Islanders were playing well. And the, the bad parts for the first ten minutes of the game, they were like really hard on Brock Nelson and Matt Barzell. And then uh, when it became, you know, increasingly obvious to everybody, but the the score, the official scorer, TD <laughs> Garden, that the Islanders started playing well, like they had to kind of admit it. And I, it seemed like every shift, Barzell was um was dangerous. He just unfortunately like they don't have the third finisher on that line and and for you know as as leo it tends to happen with uncle leo like the puck ends up at his feet um which is a problematic because he also has a stick uh, <laughs> and he's got to use the stick to score and when in like the big second in the big moment he uh the puck's at his feet and he couldn't convert on a couple chances um but like just in in to a man i thought the islanders were really good i thought there was there were a couple moments where uh, things could have really went pear-shaped but uh they responded and it was another kind of uh, you know notch in that belt where they the, the team is just so good at responding to moments where, as fans you capitulate like you know to bring up the Leafs again like they blow the three one series lead to the Canadians and it was almost like you know I didn't want to think it but everybody else was like oh there's no way they're going to win Game seven even though they're favorites because like they already blew the lead like they don't have the mental fortitude the intestinal fortitude to 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 bounce back from something like that. Well, the Islanders blow a three-one lead. The camera immediately flashes to Josh Bailey after his bad penalty when yeah. Marshan scores,
1: and he just looked like nothing happened. And I that's bl- like that team. It looked mm-hmm. like he mouthed the words "Okay, okay." Yeah. like that. Like that's. I remember the exact <laughs> shot because I, I saw yeah, it too, and hey, I'm like, "That's that's crazy." He's just like, "Okay, okay." And then they, I
2: think like pretty soon into the overtime, uh, there was a big chance for the Bruins, and they like flashed the Islander bench and. Like there was Anapella kind of just like rinsing off with a water bottle and hopping right back over the bench. It's just like this team is is incredibly composed in those moments, which just it's. I mean, it doesn't make watching playoff overtime any easier at all. Like, cause it's not, it's not fun. Um, and but just knowing that the, that that's the, the team that we have going out there that you know they're they're at least going to, for for the most part, play to play the way you want your team to play in overtime, and whether they get the bounce or not is going to just to determine if they win or not. But that that is just very, you know, kind of calming. It, it doesn't help at all, but it's just is after the fact. You're like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Like, this is the Islanders. Like, this is the team that, that they just – they win overtime, playoff overtime games all the time, apparently. <laughs> so uh, yeah. that that was calming.
1: Yeah, and it's – but I thought the same thing too in a way because, like, you know, this, this team over three years has given us, I mean, almost – I mean, if we if we just like made a list, like how many amazing playoff moments have we seen just over these last three years? I mean, it's like a dozen at least, you know, you've got the Bailey overtime goal from game one against the Penguins a couple of years ago. You have the the Everly goal that, you know, that or is it game four where like he I think he and Nelson scored like within a couple of seconds of each other. Um, then, you know, you, you go to the bubble where you had, the, you know, the Panthers series itself wasn't really all that exciting, but like you have the Barzell overtime goal against the Capitals. You have finished off the Flyers with a shutout uh, by Varlamov. You have all kinds of stuff. And like, but you have this Zika's goal. Now you have uh, the uh, Palmieri goal and overtime against the Like there's a, all, and I'm sure there's, those are just overtime goals. Like I'm forgetting about other moments that, Have happened. And this is just another one. Like, of all of a sudden, all the people, Casey Sazikas. And like, it's funny because a couple of minutes earlier, I was thinking, man, like when those guys are on the ice in overtime, boy, it it could go either way. (laughs) Like, you know, they had not really had a great game, the fourth line. I thought they got hemmed in a couple of at a couple of points. But, you know, then then when the game is on the line, who's there? It's it's Zekas. And and the, the bench went absolutely bonkers. If you haven't seen it already, there's a cool video of him scoring. And then the Islander bench on the bottom. And you could see everybody is so happy and and hugging and high five. And it was crazy. Um, Varlamov was excellent. Uh, you know, yeah, he gave up three goals. Again, the Charlie Coyle one you know that's just a great move you guys just getting he he outstretched uh Varlamov there the other two the the Marchand goal yeah that one that one probably he wants back the Bergeron goal there was a little bit of a screen he kind of waved at it and i think he just barely missed it with the blocker but again like you give those guys zone time or you give those guys power play time like you know it's really hard for me to fault the goalie but he was very good particularly around the crease uh he had a couple of couple of big stops. Like you said, he stopped uh, Hall uh, at one point on a, on a you know, whatever a semi breakaway or he had a, a rush chance in overtime. So he was really good. Now, as far as the number of shots in the game, and you alluded to this a second ago, I think there's some home cooking going on with the TD Garden uh, off- ice officials. I don't know. If, is Joe Haggerty one of the TD Garden off ice officials? Because <laughs> he's just these. They're just piling up these shots now in in game one. Like the Bruins were the better team. So like when you see that they outshot the Islanders thirty eight to twenty two, like you know, it felt like it. It felt like yeah. it. Right. Like yeah, man, maybe the numbers weren't a hundred percent accurate, but yeah, you know, at that point we're not going to quibble about it. It's, uh, you know, whatever. It's fine. But, like, in this game, at one point, the Islanders did take the lead in shots on goal. And in the end, the the Bruins ended up being out shooting the Islanders 42-39. And these are just shots. These aren't even, like, scoring chances. Um, And actually, uh, I believe it was for game one. The – yeah, it was for game one I remember looking at. The the team had – each team had four high-danger chances, four and against, in that game. And so, like, you know, it was – that makes it seem maybe a little more even than it actually was. But the Islanders did have a couple of chances in that game. They just couldn't convert. So, and this isn't just me being like a fan, you know, conspiracy guy, like Arthur Staple noticed this, AJ Malesko and the broadcasters noticed this, (laughs) Barry Trotz has noticed this and there's something going on now. Trot said they have guys keeping their own stats and track of their own shots and high danger chances, which is what they go by. So really the, the brew, whatever the TV gardens office guys think is what is whatever. It doesn't really matter to them. But like Arthur Staples said on the no sleep to Obama podcast today, you know, when you're a broadcaster and you're John Forslund and you're calling this game and you're looking at the shot clock and you're like, the Bruins are out shooting the Islanders two to one <laughs> through, through two periods. Like that becomes a narrative that becomes a whole thing. And it's like, is that really accurate? And I, I'm we're all fairly certain it's not accurate. How inaccurate is it? Well, I don't know. Again, you know, you know all, nobody's saying that the Bruins didn't put a ton of shots up on the Islanders in game one, they certainly did. But man, I don't know what's going on over there. Like it's, it's pretty bad. And they, I'm sure the Coliseum guys do it too. And like the Matt Martin hits counter, but yeah. like I've always said with Matt Martin's hits counter, are the numbers 100% accurate? Probably not. But You can't possibly tell me that Matt Martin isn't hitting every single player on the ice every time he's on the ice. So if it's you know if it's off by twenty at the end of the year, what difference does it make? He still hit three hundred, you know, he still laid three hundred hits on people. So who cares? But I see Art's point that you know when you're when you're trying when you got a playoff series and you're trying to create a narrative, you know, it's one team getting that many shots that may or may not have actually happened. At one point, it looked like the Bruins were getting counted two shots for every every one they actually took i don't know if they had the celtics clock on or something like that but it it's was, just it was very weird. peculiar
2: Yeah, it's just like a really peculiar thing to do um but what yeah i mean it was whatever the uh one of the one of the big things was like like you know whether they got 40 shots or 35 like you said like varlamov was good and uh i thought sorokin was good in game one too and i and i liked that trots uh you know, use the Islanders have an advantage over basically every team in the league, maybe save for Vegas, right? Where they have not just two good goalies, but two guys who can you know basically be you can argue are, you know, whether you know, maybe this is a little a little much with uh Sorokin right now, but like top fifteen starters, whatever whatever you want to say. They're good. They're both mm-hmm. very good. And using that advantage is it's worth doing it's like leaving it's like not calling a timeout when you have in like the NFL or whatever and I think like the, the Tampa Bay Rays like they they construct their pitching rotation so like you'll see a guy who pitches you know 102 miles per hour one night and then like the next day you'll get like the soft tossing lefty and just it's good because you, you're playing these you need to use every advantage you can in a, in a playoff series you if if the uh, the Bruins seem to have a like a little bit of a nose for Sorokin a flaw in Sorokin's game like why not just change it up like yeah he he certainly earned the right to to play in game two Sorokin did but Simeon Varlamov has been so has been sensational since he got here so it's not like they're going to Kevin Poulin like they're going to another (laughs) really good goalie like use that advantage change things up throw them off their rhythm you gotta you know every goalie has it plays differently Varlamov and Sorokin are very very different goaltenders um despite being from the same country like they they are and um it's i i'm just i was encouraged that like tr- like it's it's really nice to have a coach who is, he's and and cassie's the same way like they're they're very hands on they're very um you know nuanced with their decisions and stuff and they this it's, it's a, it, it is like a bit of a chess match between the two of them right now and uh you can say the same like Mike Sullivan too like with the penguin series i'm sure if he had Casey DeSmith we wouldn't have seen Tristan Jerry uh for basically from game 3 on maybe even game 2 on but uh what, or game four on. But w- the, the point is like you, the Islanders trots showing that he's not afraid to use those advantages makes you like think about d- deeper in the series. If Oliver Wallstrom is healthy uh, going back to him, maybe shuffling the lineup further, whatever, whatever it is, whatever he's got in his bag, like it does show he's, he's willing to use it. And it was, um, you know, I don't want to say it was a stroke of genius. Cause I think it was kind of a kind of easy decision to make after game one, but it's just, there are just a lot of coaches that just don't are that that are so uh, late to the trigger, I guess, in in those situations. And the Islanders weren't. I thought, uh, you know, this the playoffs. He's he's done a great job managing the playoffs, uh, Trots, to this point. And like, sure, would we like to see um, someone who 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 knows how to you know score? <laughs> consistently on the first line of course but like right now you just we're it's the same thing that we say every episode which is you just got to trust the guy because he's got us this far and he's provided us with all these moments the islanders have won 20 what 22 23 playoff games and under his watch in three years mm. like the the that's pretty mesmerizing stuff i mean it's hard that's crazy to think about um mm. for us you know yeah. for for this fan base and Uh, it's I I'm I'm that's another encouraging sign I think I think they're considering how game one went the fact that I'm sitting here feeling you know I I do like the Islanders still are underdogs in the series like they're and the betting market has them still in basically where they started the series um the, the they should be underdogs yes but I'm much more encouraged than I thought I would be after watching game one because it was a bit of a face plan and you know that this team has responded well, but to, for them to actually do it and to get that goal is important. And they had, you know, three or four, three and a half lines basically going. And uh, Ryan Pollock also was mm. a monster in that game. I thought he, he made a, a couple big blocks. Um, one, I can't remember who was on, but one where he had to stick down, basically save the goal. Um, the, so him and Pelic have been awesome. And now the Islanders get the matchup they want in, in, uh, The Coliseum, they could probably get some guys away from Patrice Bergeron if they want. They can get guys away from Charlie McAvoy. So it's there's there are reasons to be encouraged now. And I I really didn't think, uh, you know, Saturday night at eleven p.m. I didn't think that that was going
1: to be the case. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So let's look ahead to to Game Three. Um, this is a this is kind of an impossible. You know, it's impossible to predict what would happen. Again, we've seen the Islanders play poorly and we've seen them play well. I think it's very encouraging that they can. as we've seen play with these guys. And so it's not like the Bruins are just going to walk all over them, but the Bruins, you know, until this year had a 10 year run of supremacy at Nassau Coliseum that only got snapped this year. So I don't think that intimidation factor still exists for the Islanders. Um, Bruce Cassidy was talking about Tuka Rask having some sort of nagging injury with all due respect to the coach and Tuka Rask. We're both very good at what they do. I don't think Tuka Rask is hurt. I think this is just some sort of gamesmanship. I don't know if he's trying to work the refs, the media, the Islanders. I don't know what it is. He looked pretty good, and if he came out and was like lights out, I don't think anybody would be surprised. Um, uh, who was it? Uh, oh, it was was uh, Jake DeBrusque was uh, fined five grand for cross-checking Scott Mayfield in the back of the head, a, a play that Pierre McGuire called All-Time Hockey Johnny and Edzo. Uh, so oh, Johnny and Joe, sorry. Uh, and you know, look like, uh, may have, uh, given Scott Mayfield, uh, maybe a momentary concussion. I don't know if that's a thing, but he did not look well after taking that hit, but at least Stick Debrusk has 5,000 less dollars in his wallet, I guess. Um, so we'll see how that works out. The Islanders do have last change. You know, when Varlamov started, uh, I was a little bit worried because he didn't look good in the last game he played against the Penguins. And I think that's why Barry Trotz made the change at the time and went to Sorokin, and it obviously worked out really well. And I think that's the thing, like, you're getting to, where, like, you know, Trotz is, I think, fair. And I think that's why the goalies are both, you know, he says they're both low-maintenance, and they just want the team to win. And that's great. Like, they pull for each other. But I think he's also fair. Like, you know, game two against the Penguins, um, Varlamov lets in that softy up front. Um, But he played well after that. And, yeah, the Islanders lost, but, I mean, they only lost 2-1. Like, he played very well. Um, Game three was a disaster for him, and it was a very un-Varlamov-like game. And so, he, you know, Sorokin, he gives way to Sorokin, who, again, is great against the Penguins, has a tough one against the Bruins. Varlamov comes back in, and he looked good yesterday. Like, he looked like himself. Again, he let in three goals, but I don't think any of them were really all that bad. I mean, the the Marchand one was a little bit you know, probably suspect, but he looked like himself again. And I think that's, that's a good sign. And so, um, yeah, I think there's reasons to be optimistic going into game three at the Coliseum, not the least of which is that it's at the Coliseum. Um, but I mean, it's, it's impossible to know what's going to happen. I mean, I could see either team winning both of these games or yet another split. Like I just, <laughs> it can really go either way. Would it, would it surprise me if the Islanders won both games? No. But it, would it surprise me if the Bruins won both? Absolutely not. Um, and you know, that, that one option is terrifying and one option is exhilarating, but, uh, we'll have to see how it goes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not here to, to say to this team is going to win this game on this podcast. I, but I think that's the right way to look at it is like the the fact that it can go, you can feel it go either way is a huge step in the right direction from Saturday, which is it like I wanted to, we all wanted to come out with a split. We got a split. And now, uh, you know that the, the Islanders have a, just an opportunity to really show not just like the the Bruins, whatever the fans, the the, the entire league. Like, like if the if you could beat this team, which is operating, the, the Bruins come into this game in, in incredible form, uh, or into the series in incredible form. If you can beat this team, and or at least you know, e- even if they give them a series, like the Islanders once again take another. Step up in in the way they their are this journey and this project under Barry Trotz and Lou lamarillo Like it's it's not we we already know like uh, at least on this show like we know that this is legitimate stuff happening. Like the uh, the Islanders are good people are have been slow to admit it, and uh if they do uh continue to to kind of just like get results or you know even play well against the Bruins, uh, it's it just is another kind of piece of evidence in 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 our uh kind of building uh hypothesis like it's just it's this this team is much better than they've been given credit for we, we, we're we all used to it and who better to like measure up against but the team that you've basically been chasing for you know in terms of style play etc for um three years now and there there's uh you know i think a lot of people are kind of not paying attention to what's going on in the east division for a number of reasons like obviously what's going on with colorado is crazy what's going on in the north division is wild um and then you got the the central division where the panthers and lightning played a crazy series mm-hmm. and now you got two juggernauts in uh the canes and lightning so there's just like reasons that people aren't and and it wouldn't just wouldn't surprise me that uh you know hope and Yes, it would actually would surprise me, but like in like ten days from now, if the Islanders are the team representing the East Division, like people be like, "Well, how the hell did the Islanders get Mm. here? Like, why why are they playing Tampa or Carolina or whatever?" Uh, It's just like, but that's just who they are, and like they just have not abandoned that identity at all. And that's and that's it's weird, like how tangible it is. Like in that overtime, you can feel like you felt them, like Mm. you felt the Islanders were playing their way but like in overtime it just comes down to the bounce so but like at least played that what they're the way they were supposed to the way they've committed to playing Mm. and uh if they you know if they can continue doing that like they'll have a chance like because they have the goaltending to keep them in games they have uh the depth the forward depth to to give the bruins problems deeper in their lineup so it's just there's no reason to uh you know of course there's thousands of reasons to be terrified but there's no reasons to be like
1: there's no real reason uh, yeah
2: to be right I mean, we should be feeling if we were normal if this was normal we'd be feeling great
1: other, other than our own anxiety which is right. why we're here uh yeah yeah no well said uh okay we are going to take a break and we're going to come back and talk about that other game that happened on monday and uh, what uh, lessons can be gleaned from that uh, we're also going to announce our winner of our final month of eBay swag from uh, those who left us reviews on iTunes. So stay with us and I uh, will be back in uh, just a couple minutes.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>
1: Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Do you remember the Long Island Jaws of Roller Hockey International from the mid-90s? Well, guess what? VintageIceHockey.com has Long Island Jaws t-shirts and sweatshirts and mugs and all kinds of... Yes, I'm not kidding. The shark with the rollerblades can finally be yours. I know I'm going to get one uh they also have our al arbor t-shirts uh which uh, our portion of which goes directly to the center for dementia research and if you use code lighthouse 15 you can save yourself 15 percent. so get to binge today buy a long island jaws t-shirt come on it's gonna come on it's a shark and rollerblades like geez come on you got it, well, who doesn't want that it's the coolest logo ever i, I remember the, the
2: long island jaws like there i guess like you know 10 years maybe more than that like 15 years ago um I was in high school and I was like, do you remember that roller hockey team that played at the Nassau Coliseum? And my friends were like, no, are you, are you crazy. Oh my God, that exact same thing happened to me the other day. <laughs> and and I didn't know if I had like, you, you ever have one of those moments where you don't know if you made up the whole thing in your yeah. head? And so I like research, I'm like, okay, thank God. Like, yeah, No, I was right. And it was obviously that was a long time ago. So the internet wasn't, it's right. easy to like find information, but it took a little time. I'm like, I told you there was really a team that played yeah. at the Coliseum called the Long Island Jaws.
1: I, I was with my friends from high school and I said that and they all looked at me like, What are you talking about? I'm like, <laughs> Are you guys kidding me right now? I thought they were playing a joke on me. I'm like, the Long Island Jaws, Jaws with a Z? You don't remember that with the shark with the roller they play like two years roller hockey. You don't remember that? I the I, same thing. I'm like, am I losing my mind? But no, we did not lose our mind. And fortunately, neither did our friend Kevin who runs vintage who we went out got that logo (laughs) so now we can all own the Long Island Jaws and we'll bring it back somehow I don't know maybe maybe UBS Arena will have the be the birthplace of Roller Hockey International too Uh, (laughs) so moving on to uh, hockey teams of today so um The while the Bruins and Islanders are playing, I think you, me and a very select few uh, on Earth were paying more attention to that game than the other game that was going on at the time, which was game seven against the Canadians and Leafs. By now, obviously, you know what happened. The Leafs lost 3-1. They blew the series 3-1 and they have gone now however many years since 2004 uh, without winning a playoff series. This, of course, has already sparked a billion hot takes from you know, writers and journalists and bloggers and sports talking head people from all over, mostly Canada, uh, trying to diagnose exactly what went wrong with the all-star studded Leafs and their very expensive roster of very famous people that can't get out of the first round. Um, I'm going to give you the floor and and let you begin. Um, but this is obviously for us incredibly hilarious, and the whole thing just just really makes it. So much fun. And I just, for me, I couldn't get enough today. And normally, I avoid the Leafs like a plague. I did not watch one second of that series. I swear to you. It would come on in like, you know, they'd show like the live look in and the intermissions of the Islanders game or whatever. I would get up and walk away or I would put the, the, you know, my computer on mute. I didn't want to know from it. I didn't want to hear about it. I almost never read about the Leafs ever. But today, I was trying to take in as much as I could to soak in the misery of this fan base because it is so hilarious and it's so worth it. I think we, we, we deserve that, that kind of enjoyment.
2: Yeah. Not only do we deserve it, but we should, you know, you should be going to seek it out. Like I, I'm very grateful that we have two days, two full days before game day, because (laughs) I said to myself that Tuesday is going to be devoted to just digesting as much Toronto Maple Leafs content as possible. I, uh, the first thing, the first words I might've said this morning was, uh, you know alexa please turn on sportsnet 590 yeah. toronto radio and she did she turned it on and they were there talking about the leafs and they were having a meltdown and it was honestly like it's as satisfying every you you, you don't i i think last year went uh because of the bubble or whatever um it was it was like a little different be, because it just seemed like the leafs and kind of committed to like you know this is this is like step 1 of our process if we don't win the stanley cup this year it's fine because next year we're going to mm. um so you know it was almost like a longer term thing it's still obviously incredibly sweet but um this year was just remarkable for the way that it happened blowing a 3-1 series lead to a honestly like just a very pedestrian team
1: <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> and, a good way to put it for the habs yeah.
2: they're a pedestrian they're not bad yeah and i just i i mean it doesn't get lost on me like how petulant it can seem to being like this thrilled about another team's loss, but it's, it's so different with your, your your fear, our fan base, our franchise is just so inner, inner embedded, I guess, or whatever joint at the hip with, with the Leafs. There's no uh, other way to kind of put it. Like the, the, the two stories are there. Like their captain is a very, very big part of this era of the Islanders and the way he left obviously is. so like to have that it's it's depending on how it ends obviously it all depends on how this ends um to have that uh kind of you know a, a chip on a shoulder whatever you want to call it could end up being just a great thing because it does give you like just this rooting interest into other teams and um it, it doesn't like allow you to pay attention to other stuff and to hate watch and 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 that's you know kind of what sports are all about is is there supposed to be an escape from everything else and you have now have two like you have the islanders you, you, more than that because the islanders happen to have more teams that we hate than maybe every mm-hmm. any team in sports <laughs> <Like> <laughs> between the rangers penguins leaves and whoever else um but it's just it's it's just great like there's no other way to put it and and i uh i was talking my one of my friends at work Ari, is a big canadians fan mm. and he texted me saying he texted me a picture of the toronto sun and he said Hey, my buddy's gonna grab a bunch of these. Do you want? Do you want one? Mm. And I was like, because it was like a picture of all their. It was their their uh, cover for today, oh, yeah. which is like had all the covers, yeah, whatever. On yeah, yeah. And from when they got eliminated, he's like, he's like, I'm gonna frame it. Do do you want one? I was like, <laughs> absolutely. And so we have to explain to somebody who comes, maybe comes into my house who who doesn't know me yet, like who just comes over for a party or whatever, it's like, why do you have a Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, Toronto Sun frame from? about the maple Leafs, and to have to explain it will take three hours Mm. but to have like an islander fan or someone who listens to his podcast come in and see that framed photo they'd just be like that's one of the greatest things ever they probably would want one too like this is that's just who it is like we're very you know it's a very different we're very emotionally abused fan base and if if for that reason if that is something that gives you happiness which it should uh you know go seek it out there wasn't there was not enough maple Leafs content today Mm. It's something we will never say, ever, <laughs> ever in our lives. But they, the Maple Leafs, were not covered enough today. I wanted, I, I, and i and the great thing is, is, it's gonna last for a while. Like today, mm. the move, the exit days are tomorrow, which is Wednesday, uh, the exit interviews. Uh, that's gonna be awesome. the 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 tile dubis like end of season presser will probably be tomorrow that's gonna be awesome 31 thoughts on friday i might Mm. listen to it 10 times like this is just (laughs) it's just going to be a a sensational couple of you know days of that part of being an islander fan uh and the best part is the Islanders are still playing while it's all going on. So you're getting the best of both worlds. Like the Casey Zizekas scored like 15 minutes after the Maple Leafs got eliminated. Yeah. And I was listening to the radio and they're like, of course it was a local product. Uh, Casey Zizekas, like former captain of the St. Michael's mm. like Mississauga majors or whatever. And they're talking about like how like they need a Casey Zizekas or whatever. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. Please uh, keep going. And mm. uh, they, I, I mean, it's, it's not going to get bet. Like last night was well, truly one of the best, like, sporting nights uh, of not just the season, but of maybe my life. Like, just <laughs> the way everything went, it every uh, every result, both results were, were so massive. They both went the right way. Uh, I had a friend, Tim, who reached out. He's like, I, you know, I've, I've never been so happy to lose a bet because he had bet the, uh, both the Bruins and Leafs in oh, wow. parlay as like an emotional hedge. And eh. and like, you just, like but that, you know we're screwed up we're screwed up and this is uh you know this is part part of the journey and the the media meltdown from all the uh you know hockey twitter people was amazing to watch too like i'm not done yet i saw i realized today there was a couple people who i haven't checked in on <laughs> watched my steve dangle this morning what? still watched so much more to take
1: in yeah i was gonna say i mean if you're talking about meltdowns we have to start with steve dangle now i don't know i do not watch his videos i don't seek him out in fact i do again the most You'll i watch it ju- once a year once yeah a year. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually mentions that in, in the video this week and i i went and watched it and you know i urge everybody to check it out um and you know for the first say 10 minutes or so the, the whole thing is a half hour long so if you're like wow 10 minutes he talks dude he talks for a half hour he yells for a half hour about this um the first 10 minutes or so, you know, you start to kind of feel bad for him because he talks about how, you know, he's he's has become this sort of, you know, f- soundboard for the for this fan base. And, you know, he takes these things and and now look, he's the one who put himself in that position. And so but you start to feel a little bit bad that all these people have put this, you know, their hopes and dreams of this team on this one dude shoulders and they expect him to voice their frustrations. But then he says something that immediately made me it immediately turned me off and immediately re- erased all of the sympathy I may have had for him when he talked about how these players, and I, I don't know if he was mentioning, t- talking about Tavares specifically, because obviously Tavares got hurt. So it's not like this whole thing, isn't really on him. Uh, although between us, uh, as friends, I kind of feel like this would have happened even if he had played, but that's just me. Um, he talked about how these players had talked about, not just winning a cup, but winning a cup in Toronto and how, yeah, they could go and win a cup anywhere, but winning it in Toronto would make it more special and it wouldn't be the same without winning in here. That's where you lose me because that's bullshit. I'm sorry. Like you can't tell me that every, every player that has won a Stanley cup since 1967 that did not do it with the Maple Leafs is somehow not quite as, as happy as he could be because he didn't do it with the Leafs like that. That's ludicrous. That's, mm. that's, That is the kind of narcissism and myopia that is a trademark of this fan base. And this is why people hate you. Like, they really do, because you can't. I mean, you know, the Islanders, I started thinking about, well, what Toronto area guys were on the Islanders? And honestly, they had a lot of like Western Canada guys and like French Canadian, a couple of Swedish guys. So, like, I don't know. I guess Billy Smith might be from the Toronto area, but like, you can't tell me, even if he is, you can't tell me that. You know, Billy Smith somehow looks back on his four straight Stanley Cups and 19 straight playoff series wins. He goes, Man, I kind of wish I did it with the Leafs. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Why would he say that? You know, forget about Billy Smith. Go to Steven Stamkos. Like, Steven Stamkos now has been in Tampa for whatever, 15 years. I mean, how long? Since he's 18 years old. And he finally won that cup last year that had eluded him for so long. And if you're telling me that he feels like somehow, you know, yeah, it was okay, but I'd rather have done it with the Leafs. You are out of your mind. That guy lives and plays and dies for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and you can't change that. Like, it's it's just ludicrous. And that, that was where he lost me. That was when I'm like, dude, you're never going to get it. Like, if you can't see that, you can't get it. And, you know, when it comes to the captain, as you were talking about, like – I don't remember Steve Dangle having a whole lot of sympathy for us when that guy signed with his team after a year and a half of guys like Steve Dangle, and specifically Steve Dangle, pleading and begging and crying for him to sign with them. Like, he didn't care about our feelings and our history of sadness that goes back however many, you know, decades. And so we're all fans. Like, we all want to win. We all feel sad when our team doesn't win. And so, like, you guys, you know, that team not making out of the first round since 2004 isn't more or less worse than our team missing the playoffs for 14 out of a possible 17 years, which they did at one point or something. So like, it just, that that's where you lose me. And I just, you know, they, I, I, that's why I, you know, and forget about this week. Like this sadness is going to last clear through the next regular season because whatever they do, doesn't matter. It's yeah. all going to matter once they get to the, the
2: that, springtime. That's what, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like we are only scratching the surface. Yeah. And, and I think that's what he said is the point, right? Like, they all of a sudden the shoe the the, the shoes on the other foot at once a year and they and they get lost in that like why people you know you'll hear all the time oh people will be rolling our eyes their eyes at this but the least you know does i think justin board said that they're a an under, underserved hockey market toronto <laughs> um and and he's like i know people are rolling my eyes but and then he said he goes on to mention and i quote that Toronto could sustain two hockey teams like New York sustains two basketball teams. Now, Justin Bourne's dad, (laughs) okay, won four Stanley Cups playing for the second New York hockey team. I just like it's just this is, but this is the point. It's just like you just don't they don't have they their brains are just so mushed by by this team and like how they have to they all feel a part of the journey like James. I mean, if you didn't think I was just refreshing James Myrtle's author page on The Athletic <laughs> last night. I still don't to- get
1: how you're not blocked by him on Twitter. Are you the only person on Twitter I, that's not blocked by James Myrtle? I really Myrtle?
2: wonder because, I mean... <laughs> It's, I mean, I've, I've been blocked by Carl Osner and Darren Drager. Like, I don't know, I don't know how, how I've escaped Myrtle, but I mean, I'm very grateful for it because right. he's one of <laughs> hey, my favorite. Lucky. Yeah. I mean, between him and Steve Simmons, like I'm, I might, if they, if the two of them decide to, to write a book or just like do a sub stack, they both leave their, their, uh, respective publications. I'd be the first one to be I'm absolutely subscribing to this. I'll pay a hundred dollars an, an article to read what Steve Simmons is about to write for the next couple of <laughs> weeks. Um. It's just, but but that's you know they this the reason it feels so good is because of the way that folks like Steve Dangle and James Myrtle and Jonas Siegel. I mean, you can go down the list. The fact that we know these guys and like their tendencies and who they are and like a lot about them Mm. just goes to show like why it's why we feel the way we do when they lose and why a lot of people do feel the way they lose. And that guess what? Like that's part of sports is dancing on graves like it's part it's <laughs> as long as you when you're a fan like we're not we're we're fans like those guys are media or they're journalists like they're reporters they're not supposed to be doing like acting the way they do but they do because it's the leaves and you got to you know make the leaves about yourself some for some yeah. weird weird reason like but that's why we're acting the way we do that's why like I, and it's it really does like there's so many layers <laughs> to to being an islander fan and to being part of this journey. And this is one of, one of these layers is just your absolute disdain for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we are, it's almost kind of, we're almost kind of lucky to have it right now in moments like this. I mean, it could all go pretty terribly. Like I, I I recall on one of the first episodes of the season that we did, I was talking about how the Amazon doc that they're doing yeah had the potential to ruin my life like what having to have the that if the Maple Leafs had won a stanley cup or even the first advance of the first round and have an amazon film crew like filming it would have just it would be miserable i wouldn't watch it now are you kidding me like nobody in toronto is gonna watch it but mm. guess who is everybody on long island and <laughs> yeah. everybody in ottawa and everybody in montreal like everybody yeah. feels slighted so this i mean it's just great it's just and it's only gonna get better they're gonna do some hopefully do something stupid uh, in the offseason, season, um, you know, I, you know, Kyle Dubas and Brendan Sh- the Shanna plan, like they're gonna have to rework it. Everyone, I love how everyone's blaming them for going after, um, you know, the old guys that they did mm. when when they actually did it. They were like, "This is what they need." Like Joe Thornton's the leaf. This is he will This is great. Him Spezza, Wayne Simmons, like exactly what the Leafs needed. And Dubas is he's he was uh, he was brave enough to admit like that his original plan was wrong, and now all of a sudden like they've completely turned on that. Mm. Uh, which is great. Like, I mean, to have yeah. Joe, Joe Thornton turn turn to a villain is kind of unfortunate. But you know, that's what happens when you put that sweater on, buddy. So, right. uh,
1: I wonder you know, if this means that, gosh. I wonder if this means that Joe Thornton now has to go back to San Jose to make people love him again. Like, just do one more tour with San Jose, so everybody can forget that you played for the Leaves. And then everybody be like, "Oh man, now now he's retired. Oh, that, that's great. Good for Joe. Let's congratulate. You know, like I wonder if he'll have to do that." Um, I was actually trying to seek out those because Chris Johnston, of course, wrote you know an obituary today, and he was one of the main like look at look at all the the defensive work that they're doing. Look at all the great grit and all the the leadership and experience that w- Simmons and Thornton and Spezza are all bringing. And now you know those guys. Well, Spezza apparently was pretty good in the playoffs, but Thornton Goose egg, Simmons didn't do much. Um, uh, Nick Foligno was hurt. <laughs> him, him and Tavares the only to get. You know they were hurt. So uh, yeah, I, I feel like you know it's it's fair to kind of go through and read all those old stories. And I, you know it's funny too. I read uh, Ian McIntyre is at Sportsnet, and I guess I guess he must have drawn the short straw over in the Sportsnet office because he's covering the Bruins Islanders series. And his lead, like his literal <laughs> first five paragraphs of his recap of game two of the Islanders Bruins series was all about the Leafs and how, you know, they, they don't have this sort of thing. And this isn't like the series that they played because the Islanders keep going on. It's like, dude, why are you even talking about the Leafs in this series? That again, this is the problem. You, you don't need to just talk about the Bruins and Islanders. It's okay. Yes. It was happening at the same night. It's okay. You don't have to talk about it. Who cares? But um, you know, uh, we don't need to sit here and like try and diagnose and fix a team that, we hate and so we're, we don't need to do that but I will say this uh, and I will I will bounce it out we like Justin Bourne he's a good dude I've met him we had a we had an event uh in, in Brooklyn one time and he's a he's a great guy and so I will give you uh one good thing that, that Bourne wrote today he talked about it, the Leafs and how like getting back to the guys like Thornton and Simmons like you can't just sort of airdrop in grit and and experience like it has to come from the core group and I think that that might have been the miscalculation was that you could just drop in these guys and they'll just you know magically make the rest of your team grittier or whatever? Uh, and it just didn't work. I mean, the Leafs didn't just get beat because Carey Price stood on his head. Like they played legitimately poorly, hot poor hockey for three straight games. They had turnovers. They just couldn't score. I mean, they they lost Game Seven three one. William Elander scored with you know a minute and a half to go. Like. That was it. Where are the other guys like they just didn't, they just couldn't score. They didn't do anything, and it was just an anemic showing of this high-priced roster. And yeah. so, it, the the I don't know if grit is really the right word, but like the drive to win has to come from the core guys. And if it's if it's not coming from Marner and Matthews and Tavares and I guess Morgan Riley and whoever else is you know maybe um, Jake Muzzin, who was also hurt. Uh, you know, in the goalie, in this case, it's Jack Campbell. They have all anointed him to be Johnny Bauer. Now, all of a sudden, <laughs> he's going to be lead them to the cup. Like it has to come from those guys. And you know, again to tie it back to the Islanders, like when Barry Trotz showed up, the big thing and Lou Lamoriello gets a lot of credit, and maybe too much, to be honest. No, Lou, please don't don't smite me for saying this. I think he deserves credit for you know, kind of professionalizing the Islanders for sure. But to me, the big thing that changed the Islanders was Barry Trotz came in. He's got the Barry Trotz plan. We all know what it is. They just won a cup, and he got a 100% buy-in from every single player on that team. Didn't happen overnight. We all remember Eberle and Barzell took basically the whole regular season before they figured out what he wanted. But he got Lee and Bailey and Nelson and, you know, other guys It took Pelican Pulik a little while to come around. But he got every single player on that team to commit – to this system and commit to playing this way. And now look where they are. Like they're in the second round of the playoffs for the third straight year. Like that's the thing. I just don't think the Leafs have that. And I mean, again, I'm, i am I say this as a person that didn't watch any of their play. So I'm, you know, who's the expert now, but like, it just seems to me like they're just out there trying to kind of wheel and deal on there. There's no, there's no commitment to an identity, to a style of play that is successful. And until they get that, it's just going to be you know the same same bunch of guys. They're good. Don't no, get me wrong; they're really talented. But you know, when it comes to a team, when you face a team that has a drive to, and they're all pulling on the same rope at the same time, the way the Habs are, they're just going to be the same thing happened with the with the the Jets and Oilers. Like the same thing happened. Paul Maurice had those guys playing a certain way, and they won, and that's it. You know, and that's just how it works. I mean, it's not that easy, obviously. But to me, that that's what the Leafs' problem is. It's, it's got to yeah. come from those guys.
2: The Leafs' identity to me, and this is not just, you know, obviously it's not a hockey identity, but it's like just a, in terms of their entire like ethos is that we're right, you're wrong, and it could be twenty nine <laughs> or thirty other franchises saying, "Look, oh no, no, you you, you know maybe you want to do it this way," mm-hmm. and then them being like, "Well, no, we're actually going to go the other direction and not listen to anything at all," and
1: and, and um, then they have ten writers all being like, "That's great, you're exactly. doing that. Look at this. Look at how how innovative they are." and and that's what and that's that's to me what they
2: are like they are the smartest people in the room Mm. in every facet of the franchise from the way they're covered to me i don't know about i don't know the players personally but the way that their front office is operated everything about them has that's how it feels and it's what and it's the same thing when you know that smarmy smartest guy in the room person that you know that you don't like gets proven wrong like it feels good it does it feels good to be watching that stuff blow up in people's faces um <laughs> i've got no sympathy for i don't really know any leafs fans personally to be honest so i'm sure if i did maybe it'd be different but i have no sympathy for for the people who we do follow who most of the people on here follow because we follow them because they're supposed to be hockey you know news reporters or writers or analysts and not just Leafs cheerleaders but that's the way that they're acted they act i know you you have a tweet from uh who's a bonks mullet that's hmm. one of the most poignant pieces of hockey literature ever uh about how the maple Leafs lead the league and reporters who high five each other's after goals or whatever <laughs> um but it's just like that that whole culture um honestly probably needs to change like in in a weird way like from we talk about how toxic the Islanders culture was the culture of losing obviously as your Twitter handle has, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> has been forever. Like that toxic culture does matter. And like, it did follow the Islanders around forever. Basically kind of like, you know, you can say what, 2013 ish. It started to maybe dwindle, but it really wasn't until Trotz and Lamarillo came that it was kind of evaporated. And the Leafs culture is, is um, toxic in its own way. And there's, it's, Whereas the Islanders one was kind of easy to figure out. It's like, well, yeah, like this organization has been run like a circus for (laughs) twenty years. Uh, It's pretty easy to figure this one out. The Leafs one isn't like there's as as a lot of people said like we don't really know what went wrong here. Um, Mm. so it's great. I mean the, God. I mean, God. You know, bless God. Bless the Leafs, man. This is they provide some. (laughs) Some series. Yeah. I cannot wait for that Amazon doc to come out. I can't I can't wait to see the rest of their offseason. I I like is, is there like a Toronto Maple Leafs like uh TV channel that we can like watch <laughs> like, like like YES Network or something. I'll download that app on my phone and watch every day. Like this is it's really um that that win by the Habs was one of the most important results
1: hmm. of uh my sporting life. And I'm not afraid <laughs> I mean, to admit it. I mean Sportsnet is essentially all Leafs anyway. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's you know, true. And I haven't even checked out TSN, but they don't they, I, not it's funny because no, you, you you mentioned a couple people on,
2: on just talking right now. I'm like, oh god, like I got to add them to the list of people. I didn't even read Chris Johnson. I've been bragging mm. on Chris Johnson oh, the whole the whole season, and because and <laughs> of his his complete heel turn into yeah. you know basically the Don Luchusian 2.0. <laughs> like he, I'm like yeah. I'm I'm all in on. on I got to read his stuff. I got to. It's just mm. it's really
1: um it's really wonderful how yeah. this all planned out he's yeah he's basically a pr arm of the uh the leafs right now but uh yeah so well i mean i feel like we we got it all out and and i feel like a lot of people uh probably agree with us and or they didn't want to hear it but in any event it was it was kind of big news and you know we'll, we'll again like you said it all depends on on how it goes but i mean for now i think it's it's safe to enjoy uh okay a half hour of leafs talk is more than enough. let's get <laughs> yeah. to let's get to uh the uh winner of our final a uh, series of eBay swag can't thank everybody enough for all the great reviews you've sent us. We have over 200 now, which is well over double of what we had when we started. Uh, people have had some very, very nice things to say about us. And, and it's, it really, really, I really do appreciate it. I mean, we've read them and you could know, see them on, on the iTunes site and uh, you know, some people are really, really nice. And, you know, we, we do this for fun. Like Mike and I get together and we talk, talk about this just so we laugh and and have a good time. And we're all on the same page. But it it really, really makes me feel great that other people like this, too. And they like listening to us talk about these random thinking turns, talking about these random uh, incidents and and feelings, uh, you know, for for this hockey team. And so that really means a lot. Really appreciate it. Um, Okay, so we have six new people. We got more reviews than that, but some people didn't leave their. Their name, uh, So we're going to go with these six now. I have random.org, the same uh, website I've been using this whole time. So I'm going to click the button and uh, everybody's been numbered and we'll see uh, where it ends up. Right. Here we go. The answer is one. Oh, <laughs> so. Congratulations, Frank Mankin. <laughs> Frank uh, is actually a neighbor of mine over at uh, in Seaford, but uh, this is a totally random drawing. Random.org brought him up. I <laughs> sort of got, congratulations, Frank. You you just won uh, some eBay swag from Mike. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, reach out to uh, to Mike and uh, he could set you up with that. Um, and thanks again to everybody. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. And uh, please, please feel free to leave us more reviews. It's just, you know, we're not going to be doing the eBay swag thing, but you're always welcome to leave us a review at iTunes. Again, I get the. I hate using iTunes. I, I believe me, I, I'm with you. It's the worst, but unfortunately, it's the only metric in these situations that matter. So we kind of have to ask you to do that. But uh, uh, we really do appreciate everybody's support. It's been great.
2: Yeah, it's how we uh, we became the like number three hockey podcast in Hungary or Japan or something that one time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if they've changed their. Uh, I think the 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 website chartable has changed their algorithm because I haven't noticed any like. we're not not so
2: big in the balkans and yeah
1: exactly. every (laughs) once in a while i'll never forget that first time i saw we were number one in japan i was like that's got to be a joke come on i was like oh wow about that Um, yeah so there you go so congratulations frank congratulations to all of our winners and uh we again we really appreciate it so uh please uh, leave us some more reviews if you can uh also make sure to read lighthouse hockey every single day for your most up-to-date islanders news and discussion it's been a lively place the last couple of days. Uh, the game on Thursday is at 6.30. Dom just posted a thing about that, so you should check that out as well. Is it 6.30? Yeah, it's a 6.30 start oh. on NBC. Ugh, gross. It's the worst. I'll be there. I yeah. didn't, I didn't, I'm sure I would have found out later, but I, I didn't know <laughs> that. But, uh, yeah, I'll be – It just came down a little while ago. I think I think they announced it maybe like a half hour or so before we came on. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, but yeah. great. Back, in the, back at the Coliseum in the parking lot going to be a wild place uh my best buddy geo is going to be there with his kids so that's going to be fun uh and uh yeah have fun if you go be safe and uh, be loud and uh hopefully uh, the islanders can uh, pull ahead in the series uh where can everybody find you on twitter
2: the Big Lebowski with two e's
1: follow mike at the Big Lebowski with two e's on twitter read his work at the action network and uh oh i I'm, i completely forgot so the series is one one so you and your wife emily are still in good shape right now nobody's uh it <laughs> hasn't gotten to the, the the tension hasn't gotten too unbearable I, suppose. I
2: i um i negotiated to watch game one alone at a bar uh with my friend it was his birthday um and game two uh so it was the first one we watched together and uh the best part of it was that you know she emily called me a brat basically th- <laughs> throughout the entire overtime because like i just wasn't talking to her she would ask me questions i just want to answer and like, like I was mature enough to admit that, uh, I wouldn't, you know, be thrilled when the Islanders lost a series or if they lost a series, like she was right. Like I'm, that was totally bratty, but like, you know, it's playoff over time. Once again, mature enough to admit it, not mature enough to change it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so far so good. good. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, as a, when we get to the business end of the series who knows yeah. <laughs> what happens, but, yeah. uh, maybe I thought, you know, I. Casey Zasekis might have saved my marriage last night, I guess. <laughs> like so we'll see. We'll see how how the rest of this plans out.
1: Well, there you go. Well,
2: she I- she's much more gracious than me. God it's it's kind of sickening how like how <laughs> nice she was after the Islanders won last night. That's that's funny.
1: Well, I mean, the opposite end of the coin is what I did. Where my wife, uh, my wife had to have an emergency appendectomy this weekend, so it's been a, been a very eventful Memorial Day weekend uh, around my house. But uh, she was staying overnight at the hospital on on Monday, so it was just me and my daughter. And I looked at the clock. Now, normally. My daughter goes to sleep at about ten. I looked at the clock and I was like, mm, "This period's not going to end at 10. And I was like, "Congratulations, you just got a later bedtime." When the game is over, I'll come up, and of course, I jinx them, and they end up going to overtime. But I end up putting her uh, to sleep uh, in, in between periods there. Uh, and then when she woke up, I told her they won. So I'm sure she heard me scream when Cezikas uh, scored. But uh, I was like, "Congratulations, it's school night." But guess what? You get a couple. Of, you get about twenty extra minutes to sort of stay up. So there you <laughs> go. welcome to playoff. Welcome to the playoff season. <laughs>
2: How great is it? How great are the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. Even,
1: <laughs> even when you win. Even when you don't win, you win. So they, you're not playing, you win. So there you go. But thanks a lot for listening. This has been uh, kind of a supersized one. But uh, hey, extra day off on Wednesday. So there you go. Uh, and uh, we'll be back uh, sometime next week after games uh, three and four, I guess. And uh, we'll, we'll figure something out and uh, see when we can come back and uh, see where the Islanders are there. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.